0: Children, do you have rules for how you are to behave at home? I suppose you probably do. and In fact, I'm quite certain that all of you do. I've had opportunity to visit many of you in your homes, and I've seen your parents remind you of the rules sometimes of how you are supposed to behave. See, there are certain rules ways, a certain manner in which people are expected to behave. This is true for you as children in your home with house rules, but it's also true for all of us as Christians in the household of God. There are ways in which we are supposed to behave, a manner of life uh, that we ought to uh, pursue as we conduct ourselves as saints. Our text this evening in in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 8, we we catch a glimpse of this manner of life uh, through the example of the Apostle Paul and those who were with him. Now, if you recall a few weeks ago, Mr. Colvin uh, had as his text the first four verses Of chapter 2, and and he showed us from that Paul's motivation for bringing the gospel to the Thessalonians. How Paul was not motivated by uh, earthly desires or by gaining things for himself, but rather he was motivated by love of God. In fact, as he says in verse 4, he was entrusted with the gospel uh, to preach the gospel, not to please men, but to please God who examines our hearts. Paul's motivation was to please God. And that motivation led him to act in a certain way among the Thessalonians, to conduct his life properly as befits those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and seek to proclaim His gospel in all the world. So as we come now to verses 5 and 8, we see that manner of Paul's conduct, the motive that he desired to please God, and now the manner of how that motive caused him to act. In these four verses, we see that proper Christian conduct is not based in in self-seeking thoughts or words or deeds, but rather in a sacrificial gentleness and love. Proper Christian conduct is not based in self-seeking thoughts, words, or deeds, but rather in a sacrificial gentleness and love. We see this in two distinct headings. In verses 5 and 6, we see that proper Christian conduct is not based in self-seeking. And then in verses uh, 7 and 8, we see that proper Christian conduct is demonstrated in sacrificial gentleness and love. Christian conduct is is not to be self-seeking, but rather to be sacrificially gentle and loving. So as we turn to our text... I'd like to show you from these first two verses, Paul's conduct. It was not a conduct uh, performed in self-seeking in three ways. Paul was not self-seeking in his speech. Paul was not self-seeking in his thoughts and motives. And Paul was not self-seeking in his actions. There was no self-seeking. In Paul's manner of life and his conduct so look with me now to verse five where we see Paul's conduct not in self-seeking speech we read in the first part of verse five that Paul says we never came to you with flattering speech We never came with flattering speech. The apostles, when they came to the Thessalonians, when they were proclaiming the gospel, did not come in a way that was flattering. Now, you probably need uh, to clarify, we probably need to clarify what what exactly flattery is. Because I think sometimes we can conflate flattery with uh, complimenting see, flattery and, and giving a sincere compliment are two different things. Flattery is, is an excessive kind of complimenting. But not just excessive complimenting. Excessive complimenting meant to get you something. Either to get people to uh, follow you, or to get people to be your friends, to uh, do something for you. Paul reminds the Thessalonians here that that is not how he spoke to them. Paul, when he came to proclaim the gospel, didn't preach to the Thessalonians saying, "Well, you're really very wonderful people. you're so intelligent and so sacrificing and so loving. You really should come follow me and, and follow the Lord Jesus." No, Paul came to the Thessalonians with the message of the gospel. The exact opposite of flattery, really. who wants to be told? That they are dead in their trespasses and sins and an enemy with God. And yet that is how Paul came to them, not with flattery. He did not come to the Thessalonians and say to them, you're wonderful. No, he came to the Thessalonians with the gospel and said, you must repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he reminds the Thessalonians of this fact. Because he says to them, we never came with flattering speech, as you know. He calls the Thessalonians to remember those times when, when he and the others came to them to proclaim the gospel. And he tells them, you yourselves are witness of our manner of speech to you. You yourselves recall exactly what we said to you. We never flattered We never tried to get something from you with our speech. We were not seeking glory and honor for ourselves. We were not seeking a following for ourselves. No, rather we we came to you with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They never came with self-seeking speech. The apostles could not given their motivation of pleasing God, could not come with that self-seeking speech. Because that would have been a misrepresentation of the God who sent them. It would have been a defilement of the very gospel they were preaching. If they had come to the Thessalonians trying to use worldly means and a worldly manner to get them to repent and follow after Christ, then the Thessalonians would have had a a false sense of who they were before God, a false sense of, of who God is, the thrice holy God. The gospel would have been corrupted. And so Paul reminds them that he did not come to them in a self-seeking manner as far as his speech goes. It was not with flattering speech. But Paul tells them that it was not just his speech that was not self-seeking, but it was also his thoughts or his motives. And he continues in verse 5 that he never, uh, never came with flattering speech as they knew, nor with a pretext for read. The motives of the apostles as they came to the Thessalonians was not for their own enrichment. It was not for their own security or their own building up. He reminded them of that uh, earlier In verse 2, when he he told them that they had come to to proclaim the gospel in boldness, uh, even in the midst of opposition, Paul reminds them that they did not come to the Thessalonian church proclaiming the gospel in order to get something from them. Indeed, what could they get from the Thessalonians from proclaiming the gospel? It was not from motives of desire or greed, of seeking Followers through flattery, of seeking riches or possessions through greed. That was not the manner in which Paul came to the Thessalonians, preaching the gospel. Well, how did the Thessalonians know that? When Paul wrote that to them, they very well could have said, Well, Paul, that's all well and good for you to say. How do we know that, though? See, they they knew from experience that the apostles had not preached the gospel uh, in flattery. But how do you know the thoughts and intentions of the heart? Well, Paul does a pretty amazing thing here at the end of verse 5. He says that they came not with pretext for greed. That was not their manner of coming to the Thessalonians. And then he calls upon God to be his witness. God, who knows the inmost thoughts of our hearts. Paul says, God is my witness that I did not come to you for greed. Paul essentially tells them here that if he had come to them for greed, if he's lying to them, that God would be his judge because he would be swearing falsely, calling God to be his witness. If he had come with pretext for greed, then he would stand guilty before God, both of greed, both of using the gospel as a means of gain, but also for perjury before the great judge of all the earth. This is a very solemn, uh, serious uh, thing that Paul says here. Uh, He's not being flippant. Or casual about calling upon God as his witness. Paul is, is calling as witness uh, the greatest witness he possibly could. He's telling the Thessalonians, my heart in coming to preach the gospel to you never once came from a place of greed. God knows that. And now you know that as well. God who knows all of our thoughts knows all of our motivations knows whether or not we do what we do in a greedy manner or in a sacrificial manner God is the witness of Paul and God is the one who knows your hearts as well who sees all of your thoughts most inward desires of your heart. Children, I want to encourage you and exhort you to dwell upon this fact that, that God knows the thoughts of your heart. Your parents will not always know exactly why you did something when you do something and You get in trouble for it and your parents say, well, why did you do that? Many times you might say, I don't know, simply because it's a bit easier than saying, well, because I am sinful. But God knows exactly why you did those things. Adults, the same is true for you. The Lord knows exactly why you do the things that you do. He is the witness of your heart, of your motivations. Be honest before him. Be honest before the one who knows your thoughts. Do not try and cover up or conceal the motivations of your heart before men. God knows your motivations. Paul tells the Thessalonians that he was not self-seeking in his Words. He tells them he was not self seeking in his thoughts, but he also tells them he was not self seeking in his deeds, in his actions. Look at verse 6. After saying that he had not come with flattering speech or with a pretext for greed, Paul tells them he did not come seeking glory from men, either from the Thessalonians or from others Paul's conduct was not one that when he came to preach the gospel to the Thessalonians he thought this this is going to get me glory and honor this is going to really increase my reputation when I come to Thessalonica and preach the gospel everyone will love me they'll They'll give me great honor and and praise. People will come and laud me as the great teacher of the church. That was not Paul's motivation in his action. That That was not his manner of conduct when he came to proclaim the gospel to the Thessalonians. He did not come seeking glory. He came seeking the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not for himself that he proclaimed the gospel. He was was compelled. He had seen a glimpse of the glory of God. He encountered the risen Christ on the road when he was struck blind. And he knew who the truly glorious one was, who the one who deserves all honor and glory is. And so when Paul came to the Thessalonians, he did not come seeking glory from them came seeking glory for his Savior, the risen Christ. He did not come seeking glory from the Thessalonians. He did not come seeking glory from anyone else in what he did. The surrounding cities. The believers in Judea. His motivation was to please God. Not to come and preach the gospel and act in such a way as to have men glory him, uh, glorify him or honor him. Paul's motivation in pleasing God resulted in his actions being proper actions, proper conduct. Not conduct that was self-speaking, seeking in in speech or, or in thought in deed, but Action that was that which proclaimed Christ, a glorified Christ, called upon the Thessalonians to, to know who Christ is and what he has done. As believers, we may take an example from this and, and glean insight and application from Paul's conduct among the Thessalonians. We see Paul did not come with with flattering speech, and so we ourselves must remember and and try to imitate Paul in that. In that, we we must not use flattering speech. We can give sincere and honest compliments, and and indeed we should. Um, and later in First Thessalonians, in chapter five, Paul will. Tell the Thessalonians that they are to encourage one another and and build each other up. Your speech should be used for that end, to encourage your fellow believer, to build them up, to point them to their Savior and to your Savior. Not to get them to follow after you or to think that you're such a fantastic person, but for your speech to call others and the household of God to glorify their savior. Children, I think this is something that's especially difficult for young people. As you grow older and you seek to build friendships with people, I think there's, there's kind of a unique temptation for young people to, to wanna to flatter others that they think are, are particularly uh, cool or, or popular. And the hopes that maybe that person will be their friend or will flatter them back or will do nice things for them. I want to encourage you. Do not use flattering speech. Be honest in your speech with one another. Be sincere and loving. Be bold and, and forthright. Young men, Use direct language. Don't beat around the bush. If you want to give somebody a compliment, give them a compliment. Young ladies, do the same thing. Don't be brash. But sincerely compliment your friends. Encourage one another and build each other up. Especially encourage your friends in their faith. Encourage them in their pursuit of holiness. When you see your friends, this is for children and adults, who are growing in their faith and and growing in love for the Lord Jesus, growing in, in wisdom and spiritual gifts, encourage them in that. Encourage them to continue in those good deeds. Use proper language, not flattery. I think all three of these, uh, these negative manners of conduct which, which Paul tells the Thessalonians that he did not perform are very important for all those seeking to be officers in the church. These are the actions of Paul and, and the apostles as they come to proclaim the gospel to the Thessalonians. This is exemplary. For men who are seeking office, both of teaching elder or ruling elder, or even of deacon, do not use flattery in order to convince someone that you really ought to be an officer in Christ's church. That kind of language proves that you probably shouldn't be an officer in in the church. One who seeks his own uplifting, his own uh, glory through speech, and do not be motivated to be an officer, do not be motivated by greed. Uh, He who desires uh, the office desires a good thing, and indeed officers who uh, conduct themselves well are uh, worthy of double honor. But do not seek the offices of Christ's church as a means of enriching yourself, either through monetary gains or social standing or anything like that. That is not how an officer of the Church of Christ should conduct themselves. They ought not, they must not be self-seeking in their speech or in their thoughts or in their deeds. That is what we must not do. Well. How ought we to act? How ought we to conduct ourselves? Well, Paul tells us in the next two verses, in verses 7 and 8, he tells us how he and the other apostles conducted themselves among the Thessalonians. They conducted themselves with, in sacrificial gentleness and in love. And that is how our conduct ought to demonstrate itself. Sacrificial gentleness and love. In verses 7 and 8. If you look at verse 7, you, you see right away the gentleness which Paul demonstrated among the Thessalonians. He tells them, we proved to be gentle among you. It's an outright statement there in the beginning of the verse that their conduct was gentle. Uh, they did not abuse... Their authority as apostles, even though they might have, as, as the end of verse 6 tells us, uh, they, even though they were apostles of Christ, they might have asserted their authority, and yet they, they did not. Rather, they were gentle among the Thessalonians, not telling them, You must do these things. We're apostles, we are sent by Christ to the world. Therefore you absolutely must do everything we tell you to do. No, rather they act gently. They are kind to the Thessalonians, tender hearted towards them. As Paul tells us in the picture which he gives after telling them they are gentle, he he explains it, he describes the nature of their gentleness towards them. He says that it is as a nursing mother who tenderly cares for her own Children. Now, in the ancient world, it was very much in fashion for mothers to hire a wet nurse after they had their child. See, it was much easier for them to just kind of pawn the child off to another woman who would who would nurse the child, who would take care of it, who would raise it for him. And this this nursemaid would be the one who was gentle and kind to the child, who kind of raised it up and was motherly towards it. But here, Paul tells the Thessalonians that that's not how his behavior was towards them. It was not as someone who was merely brought in, who was hired to take care of them, as though it was kind of a, a job or something like that, but it was as a natural mother. The natural mother takes care of her own children as she is gentle and kind to them, as she is tender towards them. That is how Paul was towards the Thessalonians. Now, many of you have children. And children, you have little brothers and sisters. Which mother in here, when she has a newborn, a nursing infant just yanks it out of the crib when it cries and is is rough towards it, throws it around. A nursing mother does not do things like that. No, she picks the child up tenderly and, and holds it in her arms carefully. And children, I'm certain that when your parents let you hold your new baby brother or sister for the first time, your parents said, be gentle, be careful. See, a nursing mother is particularly gentle towards this baby, because babies are frail. They're weak. They need much care, much tenderness. And that is how a mother takes care of the child. Tenderly, gently, caring for them. Indeed, sacrificially, she tenderly cares for the child. It takes a lot to Wake up in the middle of the night to feed and change a baby. Yet the tender, loving care of a mother does that. Does it, for the most part, joyfully. That is how Paul's conduct was among the Thessalonians. Gently caring for them recognizing that they were babes in the faith once they started to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not being brusque or domineering over them, not abusing them or asserting His authority over them even though He was an apostle, but taking care of them gently and tenderly. Why was that? Verse 8 tells us it's because of the great love which he had for them. We read in verse 8 that having so fond an affection for you we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. You see Paul makes this statement of his, his great love towards the Thessalonian believers. He had very fond affection for them. kind of a superlative, deep affection for them. Great care. The kind of love which only comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and his great love for us. He had fond affection for them. They were very dear to him. The Apostle Paul loved the Thessalonians. So much so that he, he was sacrificial in his giving. His fond affection for them resulted in the fruit of his love. He was well pleased to impart not only the gospel of God, but also his own life. It was a joy to him because of the love which, with, with which he loved the Thessalonians. It was, it was joy to him. To preach to them the Gospel. To proclaim to them the great glories of the Lord Jesus Christ. How He had come as a man and lived a sinless life. How He had died upon the cross for the sins and how He was buried and how He was raised up the third day for our justification. He was was pleased to do that. Pleased because... His motivation was pleasing God, pleased to do that because he had fond affection for the Thessalonians. He had this love which the Lord had given to him for the Thessalonians. That love which caused him to give to them sacrificially the gospel and also his own life. Caring not for his own time or comfort, but willing to boldly preached the gospel amid much opposition. The manner of his life was was gentleness and love. That manifested itself in a sacrificial manner because of the great gentleness and love which God had shown to him in Christ Jesus. You might be asking yourself, how, how how do we do that? Well, Paul loved the Thessalonians. That's, that's all well and good. He was an apostle, so he had something that I don't have. You might be thinking, well, no. See, we have the same Holy Spirit. If indeed you are united to Christ by faith, if you're trusting in Him, then He has sent to you His Holy Spirit who produces in you the fruits of the Spirit, such as love. It is, in and of ourselves, quite impossible to love people the way we ought to love them, isn't it? Though we all get along very well here at Antioch Presbyterian Church, there's many times when you encounter fellow believers who you just don't really get along with. And yet, through the Holy Spirit, you can and and you may and you ought to have a fond affection for them as your brothers and sisters in Christ, as fellow heirs together with you. It's a fond affection, a great love for them that is had because we have the Spirit And so if you would conduct yourself, even as Paul conducted himself here, if you would conduct yourself in in gentleness, in love, uh, sacrificially giving of yourself, you must do so in full reliance upon the Spirit of God. Do not try and conjure up within yourself that kind of love, that kind of gentleness, If you try and do that in and of yourself, in your own strength, you'll fail. And then you'll think, well, why did I ever do that in the first place? No, rely upon the Spirit and ask the Lord to grant you that love for his people. That the shepherd would give you that same love which he has for his sheep. Uh, This is especially important, again, for you men who may become officers. Sheep, I have been told, bite. And it is a hard thing when sheep bite their shepherds. Yet, as shepherds of the flock of God, you are called to still love them as under-shepherds of the great shepherd who loves his sheep. You must still be gentle towards them, not beating them, not abusing them. You must be gentle to them, even as a mother is gentle to her own children. Even as a mother is gentle towards children who grow up and rebel and are nasty to them, yet officers, shepherds of the sheep, must care for the sheep of God, sacrificially loving them, constantly giving them the gospel. Christ died for their sins. That is what officers, elders especially, must, must be doing. And all other Christians ought to conduct themselves in this way too. You must seek the lord that and ask him that he would give you gentleness towards one another so that you can deal gently with them when they do something which hurts you and so they can deal gently with you when you do something which hurts them ask the lord to grant to you sacrificial gentleness and love that sacrificial gentleness and love which can only be had through Christ by the Spirit. And We see then in this text uh, Paul's actions, those ways in which he did not conduct himself among the Thessalonians. He did not conduct himself in a self-seeking manner, either through his speech, flattering them to to get a following or or through his motivations or his thoughts. He he did not come greedily seeking money or possessions. He did not come seeking his own glory, Uh, even though he, as as an apostle, uh, was worthy of double honor in his ruling well. He, He did not come for those... Things That's not how he conducted himself. Rather, he conducted himself gently as, as a nursing mother, tenderly and affectionately, loving the Thessalonians so much so that he gave to them the gospel of God and also his, his own life, his time, his energy, uh, preaching to them, dealing with them so that they might grow in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That teaches us then that proper Christian conduct is, is not based in self seeking thoughts, words or deeds, but rather it is based in sacrificial gentleness and love. Our our conduct, your conduct, must not be based in self seeking thoughts, words, or deeds, but rather sacrificial gentleness and love. We have house rules. The manner in which we and our children ought to conduct ourselves around the house. The Lord God also has a manner in which he desires his people to conduct themselves. We must conduct ourselves in this way as a holy people set apart for God. We must recognize that in and of ourselves is an impossible task. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, all these things are possible. So I exhort you, brethren, to look to Christ. Ask the great shepherd of the sheep to give you hearts which do not seek for your own glory, your own honor, your own gain. Hearts that seek for his glory, his honor, for the building up, the edification of his church and the spread of the gospel throughout all the earth. Let us pray.